Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Braun Body Health and Fitness Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan Braun, Doctor of Physical Therapy and Certified Personal Trainer. Today, I'm excited to welcome Gabby Pointkowski to the podcast. Gabby will be sharing her journey as a Division I soccer player at Binghamton University. Along the way, we're going to be applying Gabby's life events to actionable advice that you can use day in and day out. Before we get to this podcast, Here's a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by CTM Band and CTM Recovery Products. These are the exact soft tissue recovery tools that I'm using on myself and with my patients day in and day out. CTM Band was founded by Dr. Kyle Bowling, a sports medicine practitioner who treats professional athletes, and he was a former guest on the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. You can check out his website at the link below and use the coupon code BRAWN10 to save 10% off your order from CTM Band. Gabby, welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Me too. You're one of the first people I've had on from kind of the local area here, Broome County, Susquehanna County area. It's very rare to find people from the northeastern part of the country, I feel. I know. When you reached out to me, I was and you told me you were from this area, I was shocked because <laughs> when I tell people I'm from this area, no one knows where it is. So I'm just like, okay, this is this is kind of cool. <laughs> right, right. You tell people you played D1 soccer at Binghamton and everyone's like, wait a second, where is that? Is it like near New York City? Is it near Albany? Is it near Buffalo? And then they run out of landmarks in New York. Basically, everyone thinks it's when I say I'm from Binghamton, they're like, oh, like New York City, like that area. And I'm like, no, not <laughs> not too close to that. But all right. Yeah, it's like it's like three hours away from New York City. And they're like, oh, so you're by Buffalo. Nope. Three hours away from that. Just somewhere in the middle. So as I alluded to, you played Division One soccer. Can you tell us a little bit about your backstory for people who aren't aware of your soccer journey and the health issues that you faced during that time? Yep. So I played soccer my whole life, ever since I was three, and I wanted to play college soccer. So I ended up getting recruited by Binghamton. So I played Division One soccer and I was super excited I mean as anyone would be going into a division one program um unfortunately I faced a couple health issues which were terrible but um I've learned a lot from them but my freshman year during the first couple months of my soccer preseason I ended up getting blood clots randomly um which was super scary and obviously nothing that a freshman wants to go through when they first start their um, soccer program. Um, And I was out for nine months because of that. So that was definitely um, something that no one wants to go through, but you know, it happened to me and I got through that. I played all my sophomore season and then my junior year rolled around and that's when COVID hit. So our season was moved from the fall to the spring and spring rolls around. I was super excited for our season. And then I found out that I needed to get heart surgery. So I was out again because of that. And then I recovered from that and I played my senior year and everything was good. But yeah, so I was out for two seasons out of the four that I got to play. So it was definitely 
interesting. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a real roller coaster. Let's dive into that a little bit because it's kind of random, in my opinion, in my experience, uh, that someone, you know, in their late teens, early 20s has issues with blood clots, especially someone super active and fit on a Division One soccer team. So was there something that contributed to that or how did they kind of come about, for lack of a better way to put it? Yeah, so at first the doctors weren't sure what it was because I don't have family history. I don't have anything like that. So they were honestly just as confused as we were. Um, but then they went through some certain things and they found out that it was actually the birth control that I was on. So it was just a totally random thing that um, sparked it, which is terrible. Um, but yeah, so it wasn't like a family history or it wasn't anything serious. It was literally just the birth control that I was taking. So yeah. Yeah. And that's something I've heard about from some different female friends of mine saying how they've taken birth control and they've had some weird side effects they weren't initially informed about. Um, for some reason, I can't speak personally to that, <laughs> believe it or not. But um, it, it's interesting how some of these different things that we um, give to people have side effects that they weren't aware of. And I don't know where the issue was with that, if it's they weren't informed or, you know, they didn't seek out the information themselves or what the deal was. But it's always kind of interesting to me to see all these different things that so many people are doing. And then they come back to have like some kind of crazy side effect that we didn't know about before. Yeah, I think it's crazy. And ever since that happened, I kept seeing like these videos on TikTok and Instagram showing the instructions of like birth control pills. And it's like this huge piece of paper with like 11 point font, like very small of like all of these side effects and everything. And like, no one knows about that unless like something bad happens to you, which is terrible to say, but like so many people take these things and they don't even know like what the side effects are. So I don't know. It's crazy. And it's, it's, sad to be honest yeah no it definitely is and in your case from what I remember you telling me before the blood clot that you had was pretty severe and almost resulted in like some crazy neurological type stuff if I remember correctly yeah so I when I went to the hospital and I got all of the tests done and the doctor came in and was like it's a good thing that you came in tonight because if you didn't then you could have had a stroke so, um, I mean, it was a good thing that I came in that night because I usually, I'm the type of person that like, if something, if I get injured, if like I pull a hamstring or something, I just kind of stay quiet. I don't say anything. <laughs> I kind of keep playing through it. And this is a good thing that I didn't do that in this scenario because things could have gotten really bad. So thank God I listened to my body and was like this does not feel right and I went to the doctor because it could have been terrible. No it definitely could have and then you said that you ended up having a cardiac procedure done was that related to the blood clots or was that different or? Um, that was something totally different um, so I ended up in November of my junior year so last fall um, I ended up getting COVID. So in order to get cleared to play soccer again, I had to get an EKG done. And my EKG came back abnormal. So that's when they 
found out that I had a hole in my heart, which is normal for people. Like when you're born, some people are born with a hole in their heart and it just closes like as you grow. Um, but of course mine never closed. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> the lucky one, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm that special one. Um, mine never ended up closing. So I had to get surgery to get that closed. So, I mean, I guess it was a good thing I got COVID because if I didn't get that EKG done, then I would have never known. Um, but yeah, so I'm just that lucky person, you know, <laughs> that gets yeah. all these issues. For sure. And it's so funny that you bring that up because believe it or not, you're actually like the second or third, I think the second female soccer player I've had on the podcast who played in college who had that exact same problem and they found out about it in college. So yeah. it's crazy to think that, you know, it never closed, but it never gave you an issue before. Yeah. And that was a scary thing. Like I went through all of my practices, all of my games, like I had no symptoms. I was breathing fine. I was running fine, working out fine. So it's just crazy because if it weren't for the EKG that I had to get done, then I would have never known. And like, I don't know if something bad could have happened in the future, but um, yeah, it's just crazy because I didn't have any symptoms. So who knows how long this could have been going on for. And because of those issues, you said you missed two out of the four years that you played college soccer. So you missed your freshman year and junior year, I think it was. Yep. Yep. Now, what effect did that have on you mentally at that point? Or when you were going and getting medical care, were the doctors telling you like, hey, you know, you're going to get back to soccer at this date, or here's what we expect? Like, what was that whole process like? And how did you navigate that? So my freshman year, when I was dealing with the whole blood clot situation, it was a lot harder than when I was out for my um, heart surgery, just because it was like my first time experiencing something like this. Um, and it was a roller coaster of emotions because at first I was told that I would be out for like a certain amount of time and then I could get back to playing soccer. Um, and I was like, okay, that's fine. Like I'll do the six months that I'm out and then I'll get back into playing. And then during that six month span, I had a checkup doctor appointment and I was told by my doctor that I actually can't play soccer ever again. Um, so that was obviously like a huge shock because I was like, well, you told me that I could play after this and now you're telling me that I can't. And for an athlete, doesn't matter like if you're division one, division two, II, division three, whatever, like being told that you can't play your sport anymore, like that's terrifying and I just remember like sitting in that doctor's office and I'm like what am I going to do with my life now like my whole life revolved around soccer and like being told you can't do that anymore it was terrifying um so hearing that news me and my parents were like okay we're going to get a second opinion because we don't know like maybe he's just playing it on the extra cautious side so like we'll just get a second opinion and see and thank God we did because the second um, doctor that we went to, he said that I could play soccer. Um, I would just need to be out for a little bit longer. So I was out for a total of nine months. But then after that, I got back to playing. So it was a roller coaster of emotions, but 
um yeah it was it was crazy <laughs> it definitely is and that's become a big pet peeve of mine uh that i've developed through the podcast working with people working with clients and um, working with patients and in the realm of physical therapy so many people are being told that because of x or y or z that they will never do whatever it is that they like to do again and personally i think that's a giant load of crap because there's so many people walking around with crazy conditions doing the exact same things that this person wants to do yeah. i'll give you an example my current clinical instructor has a full thickness rotator cuff tear he has no supraspinatus he's doing weighted pull-ups with 90 pounds strapped on a belt and he's in his mid 50s full thickness rotator cuff tear and he's cranking out pull-ups so and meanwhile we have other people who come in you know with a new full thickness rotator cuff tear and they can't lift their arm or they need a surgical procedure and it's amazing to me how different you know the same diagnosis can be from person to person and one of the biggest things that creates that difference is fitness and their overall mental desire and willpower to push through things for a while and embrace the suck that comes with a long rehab process. And I mean, there's so many other stories I can point to from the podcast. Emily White comes to mind right off. She had a um, freak accident, crush injury to her left leg. She ended up being hospitalized for a long period of time, had six different procedures to try and save the limb. They couldn't end up doing it. So she decided to have it amputated herself when she was 20 years old. She made the decision, uh, you know, no parents or anything like that to have it amputated. And less than a year later, later, she stepped back on to the college softball diamond. And that was the kind of thing that her doctors were telling her, you're never going to play softball again. Give it up. Don't worry about it. And, And yet she didn't take that for an answer. And she found a way to make it happen. And it amazes me just how many people I've met who are being told by, you know, doctors or whoever, whatever healthcare provider they've seen that because of this, they're never going to play sport or they're never going to work out again. In my mind, I feel like we need to be finding ways for people to be more fit and active and find a way to make it work for them instead of constantly telling them, oh, you can't do this. You won't do this. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it's, it's kind of sad because I think there are some people who will get that information from doctors or specialists and they just roll with that. They're like, okay, they told me this, so I'm just going to give up and I'm not going to, not going to try. Um, and it, it's crazy to think because if that were the case for me, like I would have just easily said, okay, like I'm done, I'll find something else. But of course I wasn't going to do that because I wanted to play and that's what I came to school for. Um, obviously in education too, but I was really excited to play soccer. So I just think um, it's crazy that some people just, they roll with that and they're just like, okay, well, he said that. So I'm just going to go with it. For sure. And uh, again, this is a personal experience thing, but I've found greater success with care providers that enjoy being questioned about things than those who just want to tell you what to do and walk away, right? I like when I can question back about things. Uh, So another example, back in January, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. Before I started taking the medications that were prescribed to me, 
I had a call with the pharmacist. We talked for over half an hour about Lyme disease, about you know the medications, all these different things. And I really enjoyed that because that gives me the reassurance of knowing, hey, this will actually help. This is someone who understands instead of just, hey, here, take this because I told you to. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like I'm 22, but like when all of this stuff happened, I was 18 my freshman year and then um, 20 my junior year. But I feel like I didn't recognize that until those things happened to me. And I feel like my mom, well, my dad too, both my parents are always asking questions, always like wanting to get answers and no more. And I would get annoyed with that. And I'm like, stop talk, like just let him do his thing. I'm like, stop talking, like you're embarrassing. But now I get it. Cause I'm like, you wanna know more. Like you wanna hear them like explain things to you. And like, I don't know, I get it so much more now. And shout out to my parents, sorry for <laughs> being mean and telling you that you're embarrassing. Cause now I understand. And I can't help but wonder, you mentioned just a second ago that you were young at the time. So young female girl in college playing D1 soccer, trying to navigate the life of Binghamton, New York, which there isn't really anything going around, going on around here. Um, as a result, I'm sure you've had a lot of stress and a lot of just hardship thrown at you and thrown on your plate. And I'm curious, how did you navigate, handle, manage all of that stuff when you've got so many different things going on from a health standpoint, soccer demands, life demands, school demand, all that sort of thing? Yeah, it was, uh, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of challenging to figure out like how to handle all of that and deal with everything that was thrown at me. Um, but I think my number one outlet and like way to deal with everything was just talking to people and like reaching out to my friends whether it was my roommates or my friends from home and obviously my family like just talking and like getting my feelings out helped me so much because when I held things in I felt like I could cry at any second so I was like I need to talk to people and get things off my chest and like I feel like that was just the best way for me to handle everything. For sure. I feel like that's an often overlooked piece is when we have things going wrong in our life. I feel like most people like to bottle them up or like to just sit alone with their thoughts. And it can be very difficult to start being open minded and open and talking with other people about what you're feeling and your overall emotions. And I feel like it's, again, just an overlooked thing and something that we all need to do more of. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I feel like I didn't realize that until all of these things happened to me. Um, I feel like I didn't realize a lot until these things happened. <laughs> all of these um, terrible things, I mean, they, they were terrible, but they also helped me in so many ways. Um, and just realizing that the importance of talking to people, like I was definitely that person that always held things inside but then I realized you know I need to stop doing that because <laughs> it's so detrimental like to my health so I um yeah once I started talking and like actually reaching out I felt so much better right right and I'm personally by no means an expert but when when I feel like what I feel is when you talk to someone else about what you're feeling 
you start to dive into why you're feeling that way. You get to the root cause of it. And that cultivates what we call emotional intelligence. It's not just recognizing what you feel, but realizing why you feel that way and recognizing what the triggers are. And I feel like if you can become more emotionally intelligent and control your emotions, you become a much better person at pretty much everything in life. It doesn't matter what specifically we're talking about, whether it's your overall mood and happiness or your overall productivity or satisfaction. Um, there was a, um, I believe he was a Greek philosopher, Cyrus, um, who had this quote, I, I'm into reading, and if you didn't know, um, <laughs> it said, would you want to have a great empire? It starts with ruling over yourself. And I'm paraphrasing there. And that's the kind of stuff that sticks with me. It's like, you know, we have to start with ourselves. And if we can't control our own mindset, our own mentality, our own emotional control, then what, what can we control in life? If we can't control ourselves, then pretty much everything else is out of our reach, out of our grasp. Going along with that mental health side, you said that you were talking a lot with your parents, your friends, your family. Have you been sharing that kind of journey along social media or have you been open about that journey with those who are kind of engaging with you and following you from a health and fitness standpoint now? Yeah, so during quarantine, when COVID and everything happened, um, I started, that's when I made my fitness Instagram. Um, and honestly, I just kind of did it for myself because it was something that I just wanted to do. And I was like, I'm bored. I'll just, <laughs> or, I'm like, there's nothing else to do. I'll just start this account. Um, but then once it started like growing and people outside of my friends and family started following it, I was like, you know what? I think it would be cool to share my story and what I went through. Um, and I've definitely shared like, obviously the physical aspect of everything that I've gone through, but more importantly, I wanted to share the mental side of it and like how to recover from hard things and other aspects of, of life that some people don't really see. Um, so yeah, I wanted to use my platform as obviously like fitness workouts, but also like the mental side of things. Cause I feel like now a lot of people don't talk about your mental health. Um, I mean, it's starting to get more popular, but I still feel like more people need to talk about it. So that was like the main reason why I made that Instagram. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like being open and transparent about that makes people relate to you even more because like it or not, everyone has some kind of hardship that they've faced in one way or another. Everyone has some kind of past trauma and whether or not they come to peace with that and make friends with it, so to speak that's on them. You can't do it for them, but encouraging other people to take that step, jump into that kind of scary situation and look at that past trauma or past hardship or hard time that you faced and use it to claim your power in life. It's very powerful stuff for lack of a better way to put it. Um, it's the kind of thing that can really transform your life and make you realize what you're true purposes or find help you find a calling. Um, I, I like to say that obstacles that were in your path are not always there to defer you from going down whatever route you had or change your plans, but instead to redirect you to a better path to achieving whatever goals you had laid out for yourself. 
And I think that's something that we all forget about. Um, and on the topic of claiming your power, I think Mastin Kip does a, he has a great book called Claim Your Power, uh, oddly enough, that helps you work through those hidden traumas uh, that you might have from childhood or, you know, even more recently, if you're a teenager or something like that. And we just had Katie Be Happy on the podcast, and she talked about her book, Cheers to Chaos. And it, it's just amazing how many resources are coming out now to help people work through their past hard times and hardships and creating opportunities to turn them into, you know, whatever success looks like for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's so important to understand that like these hardships that you face, it's hard to understand. Like I live by the motto that everything happens for a reason. And I think it's super hard to understand that and realize it when you're going through something really hard because if something terrible happens to you like you don't want to be like oh this happened for a reason like why would something this bad happen to me but I live by that because I truly think that like anything thrown at you like you were meant to handle and it was thrown at you for a reason so I just think it's super important that people realize that and I mean it stinks in the moment but it makes you a better person in the long run so yeah it definitely does now how has that played into your current health and fitness endeavors I'll say it seems like you're posting your workouts you're posting supplements all this amazing fitness content how has your past journey or past adventure I'll say with health and all the things that you've been through uh, played into your current level of fitness and everything that you're currently doing? So I have always had a huge passion for working out and fitness like even before going into college like I just loved working out and stuff but I think ever since um, all of these medical hardships and stuff happened to me I've realized like how grateful I should be for my body and like everything that it does for me because I've gone through hell and back and <laughs> like I can still do amazing things and like I can still run I can still lift heavy and I think that's what motivates me to work out every day because there have been times like when I went through having blood clots and when I had heart surgery heart surgery there were times where I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to lift as heavy as I am right now, or like run a mile again or anything like that. I had so many self doubts. So just knowing that like, I am still lifting heavy. I'm still running as hard as I was before. Like that's what pushes me every single day. And that's why I post my workouts and I post these motivational things because it's important to let people know that like you go through these hard things, but your life's not over. Like you can keep going and um, you will end up stronger in the long run. Well, that, and you, you just hit the nail on the head. You went through a hard thing and you ended up stronger and now you're choosing to go through hard things again to make yourself even stronger. Mm -hmm. Fitness is not easy. I think a lot of people get this in their mind that, you know, oh, working out, staying in shape, eating healthy. Oh, it's, it's easy. It's simple. Anyone could do it. And they're right. Anyone can do it, but it's not easy. It's hard. You have to make sacrifices, right? You know, you might have to eat a grilled chicken Caesar salad for lunch 
as opposed to a slice of pizza every single day. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you can't have balance, but you have to make sacrifices. Working out is not easy. It's not a task to be taken lightly, right? When you work out, you literally damage your muscles so that they can come back stronger and build back better. Um, that, that was not a political reference, by the way. Um, <laughs> you, you literally are breaking yourself down in order to build yourself back up stronger. And that, that's not a easy thing. There's so many people that I've worked with that struggle to wrap their head around, you know, post-workout soreness and pain is normal. It's natural. It's the kind of thing that we need to grow stronger. You know, you can't remake yourself without pain because you're both the marble and the sculptor at the same time. And recognizing that you've been through hard stuff in the past and you're going to continue to face hardship, but that's the kind of stuff that will turn you into the kind of person that you want to be in life in whatever endeavor that is, right? Pressure can turn crap into diamonds and diamonds into dust. And in this case, the pressure is turning crap into diamonds, at least in my personal case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I definitely think like I, there have been multiple times where I could have said, you know what, I'm just going to give up. Like the luck is not on my side. Bad things keep happening to me. Like I'm just going to give up and do something else but that's just not who I am and like that's why I just kept pushing and I was like you know what like these things happen for a reason and I'm gonna test myself and challenge myself and just see like how much stronger I can get and what I can do and that's why I'm where I'm at today and there are so many people who are hit with hardships and they're they just give up so I definitely agree that fitness isn't an easy thing like yeah everybody everybody can do it but it takes a certain person to like be motivated and have that discipline to keep going every single day and this is the kind of thing that can be transformative on your entire life because fitness is one of the few things that you can't buy you can't just get it instantly you have to show up and put in the work day after day after day you have to be consistent about it it's the only thing that I can think of that still embodies delayed gratification, meaning it takes a long time to see the results that you're putting in for the work today. Um, and it, it's the kind of thing that we as a society have largely forgotten about, right? We can get anything we want instantly. We live in a world of instant gratification. And I think it shows as of 2018, the average American was 23 pounds overweight, spent maybe five hours a day watching TV. Average debt was $130,000 per person and had less, uh, average person had less than $1,000 in their savings account. So we live in a society that most people are not actively working and doing the hard things that it takes to fight for a better life. And it's sad to say that, but it was the truth, at least as of 2018. And I like to think that we're making improvements now to better promote the importance of working hard, of working through some of these hardships that we all face, and overall cultivating a mindset that changes our perspective from why me to try me. Yeah, and I, I think it's important too to understand that like hardships that you're facing or anything that's thrown at you, like you're gonna deal with them, but you also have to be patient because like, you can be working hard and trying your best, but like 
things, good things take time. And I think a lot of people nowadays, like they just want that instant gratification or whatever it is, they want it right away. And if they don't get that, then they, they just give up. And like in my situation, um, like my freshman year, I was out of soccer for nine months and that's a long time. And I could have easily given up in that nine months, but I understood that, you know, like if I want to keep playing soccer, then I have to ride out these nine months and just be patient because good things are coming. Um, and I just think a lot of people don't have that patience um, that they need to see like the good things or changes, whatever it is. I think a lot of people lack that, which I understand, like it's hard, but <laughs> like I, I'm even like not patient with certain things, but I think it's just important to understand that good things take time. They definitely do. How did you cultivate that mindset amongst your teammates after you came back and played soccer? Or what was it like returning back to the soccer pitch after being out for so long because of health problems? Um, it was definitely weird. I don't even know how to explain it. Like it was just a scary feeling, stressful, nerve wracking, but um, I was obviously very happy to be back, but I think stepping back on the field, like I just had this sense of gratefulness. I was so thankful that I could be back on the field doing what I love to do. And because of that, like I shared that emotion with my teammates and I think they started to pick up on that and understand that like the things that you love can get ripped from you right away. And some things happen that you, you can't like it just happens to you without you like you can't help it like some things just happen to you and you have no control over it and I think my teammates started to realize that and every day they would show up to practice and they show up to games with the mindset of like okay we should be thankful that we get to do what we get to do and um yeah so I I think just sharing my story and my teammates understanding that like anything can happen to you it started to change their mindset and understand that like we get to do what we love. So we should just have fun with it and not complain and like not be negative all the time and just little things like that. I, I love that you just brought up not complain because I, I feel like this is another common trend that we're all guilty of in one way or another uh, is complaining. And mm -hmm. I like to say that complaining comes with a curse. I did a challenge not too long ago where I tried to stop complaining. And instead of complaining, I would say, here's what I'm going to do instead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe it's, well, the weather sucks. The weather's going to suck tomorrow. It's going to snow. Instead of just stopping there, I'd say, so I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. I'm going to work out inside. I'm going to read inside, what, whatever it is. There's a Stoic philosopher, Marcus Aurelius, who mentions that everything that happens is either endurable or it's not. Mm -hmm. So if it happens and we can endure it, then we can endure it. What do you have to complain about? Mm -hmm. If it's not endurable, then what do we have compl to complain about? Because it's going to destroy us anyways, right? In the end of the day, we waste so much time and energy and effort complaining about what happens to us instead of recognizing that we're going to be okay it's not going to life alter us by any means yeah I feel like I definitely was that person who 
would complain about like the little things in life. It wasn't even serious, but um, when all those hardships happened to me, that's when like I changed my mindset and I was like, you know what? Like, okay, this might suck and this is terrible at the moment, but I changed my mindset and I'm like, well, like, okay, this is terrible, but look on the bright side, like this happened or something like that. And I think it's kind of hard because some people don't recognize that until something bad happens to them. But I think it's such a good habit to get into of like changing your mindset. And like you said, instead of complaining about something, like look, look at it in a different, at a different view and try to see the bright side of things, which can be very hard. I will even say that like it's hard to do sometimes I was just complaining about the snow <laughs> before this but um yeah I think it's just so important for everyone to learn how to change your mindset and view things in a positive way and recognize that the emotions you feel going back to what we talked about earlier with emotional intelligence anxiety stress and fear those are all natural responses to a stressor and that stressor activates our fight or flight response. That's the response our body uses to keep us alive, aka to help us succeed in whatever it is we're going to do, right? We're choosing to endure it instead of choosing to not endure it and let that thing destroy us. And the first example that comes to mind for me of that was David Goggins when he did the ultra marathon where he met Jesse Itzer. So David Goggins, for those who don't know, is one of the baddest, hardest, most motivated people you're ever going to meet in life or hear about. And he ran this ultra marathon where he showed up with a folding chair, a bottle of water, and a bag of crackers. And he ran 100 miles alone. This other individual, Jesse Itzer, who uh, later went on to write a book about the experience, was also there. And he went with five friends. They brought tents if they needed to camp out or lay down. They brought massage therapists to help them work through cramps if they needed. They brought tons of food and water. They had a full support staff. And both Jesse and Goggins finished the marathon, the same race, ultra marathon, but they did it so differently. Goggins did it alone. Jesse did it with a huge support staff. At mile 70, Goggins, his ankles swelled to the size of grapefruits or so the writing has told. And at the end of the race, he had broken every bone in his foot and his kidneys were nearing kidney failure and he had to be put on dialysis afterwards. Mm -hmm. These are two people who ran the same race. They did it very differently. Now both finished, but realized that in life or in sports or fitness or whatever endeavor you're on, there's going to be times where you are Jesse Itzler and you've got tons of people around you. You've got plenty of support staff. You've got plenty of people pouring into you and you're still able to cross that finish line. You also have times where you're going to be David Goggins and you're running that race alone. You're understaffed, undersupported, underfunded. You don't, you barely have anything to eat or drink and yet you still find a way to get through. And I think that's mm -hmm. the most powerful thing that anyone can take away is that, you know, you don't need everything in life to be successful. In your case, you had the odds stacked against you. You had a doctor telling you that you didn't, you weren't going to play soccer again. You're mm -hmm. a young female girl who just underwent a major health scare at a D1 school where the stakes are high to perform or be cut, I'm sure. Yeah. And yet you found a way to succeed despite having everything stacked against you. 
and you didn't necessarily have all the amazing resources and financial support and all these other things that someone like Jesse had in that race. You were more on the David Goggins side of that things. And again, you eventually found a way to be successful and get back to where you wanted to be. And I think that's just an amazing, powerful story that people really need to kind of listen in on and start applying to their own life more. Well, thank you. <laughs> I definitely think that um, it really just has to do with like your mindset and like how mentally tough you are because you might not have all of those resources and like the financial resources, social support, whatever it is. But like, if you have a strong mindset and like, you know what you want to do and where you want to go in life, then you're going to do whatever it takes to get where you want to go. Definitely. Definitely. And it all comes down to that willpower and the willingness to give a little bit extra every single day. So I like to, if you're listening, grab a calculator or pull out your phone and just do 1.01 to the power of 365. So that's in the exponent, 365. See the number you get. And then do 0.99 to the, and then in the exponent, 365. So 365 days a year, what does it look like giving 1% more versus withholding 1% every day. That 1.01 comes out to 37.6 and that 0.99 comes out to, uh, yeah, 0.99 to the power of 365 uh, comes out to 0.03. So realizing that just giving an extra 1% every day will actually put you so much further ahead in life in just a year's time, as opposed to giving 1% less each day and withholding something and not giving it your all you actually end up further behind than you were to begin with. I like that. I've never, I've never heard that like little calculation before, but I, I like that. Gabby, this has been an amazing episode. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts or closing remarks you want to share with those listening? Um, I think I just want to share to everyone that's listening that um, you're going to be thrown obstacles in life you're going to be thrown things at you that you can't control but my number one advice is to just realize that everything happens for a reason whatever it is you're going to get through it um and things will end up good in the long run so just stay positive keep your head up and things will be things will be good <laughs> you said it yourself that's your life motto everything happens for a reason stay positive I love that. Gabby, for people who want to follow you and engage with you more, where can they find out more about you? Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Gabby P fit. Um, and I also have a TikTok that I'm, I'm trying to grow a little bit, more, <laughs> but that probably won't happen, but that's, um, at Gabby Pointkowski. So if you want to follow me on TikTok, go ahead, but it's a small following. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in the same boat at the moment. So hopefully by the time this episode drops, we've both gone viral and we've got all kinds of followers. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Gabby, this has been an amazing episode. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you next time.